0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our Audacious Learning Ways podcast series with Roy and Ian. My name is Ian Tate. We're going to be with you throughout the series and for those of you who don't know him, Roy is a Delta resident, volunteer board member of the North Delta Business Association, and former president, chief marketing officer, and entrepreneur with over 40 years of successful and unmatched executive leadership business experience in every aspect of business. His latest book in the Be Different or Be Dead series is titled The audacious unheard of ways I took a startup to a billion in sales, and we've decided to use it as a guide and cornerstone of our association. In fact, if you become a member of our association, we'll provide copies of Roy's book for for you and your leadership team. Today's how to be different tip is have a recovery strategy in place for when you screw a customer over and you will. Recovery equals fix the problem plus surprise them with what they don't expect. The customer is more loyal than if the mistake ever happened at all. Good morning, Roy, and uh, happy World Consumer Rights Day.
1: Good morning, know I'm pleased to have some rights.
0: <laughs> but only for a short time, and as long as this podcast allows. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. So, so customer service, it's a recurring theme in not only your book, but uh, our discussions, our members' interests as well. Uh, what are the essential elements of a customer service strategy, Roy?
1: Yeah, so uh, as, as we discussed in the, in the previous episode, actually, uh, customer service um, as a concept has essentially three components. Well, we talked about two of them the last time, Ian. And we'll talk about an additional one called recovery today, but it basically goes like this service quality equals core service, which is what you provide, what you deliver, which is typically your product and service plus the service experience, which is how people feel when they consume or get your product and service. And then the third component, which we, which we didn't talk about before is called service recovery. Okay. Okay. Yep, That is what you do when there's a service breakdown. And so it's core service plus the experience plus service recovery. Now, the service experience and recovery are huge um, deliverers and drivers of customer loyalty. There's an example of a service strategy that I actually created in uh, in my, my previous life Uh, when I had the data business that we, we grew, and it went like this. We are easy to do business with. We care. We provide and support innovative quality solutions. We make promises and always keep them. But if we fall short of our strategy, recovery will be our number one priority. Now, the interesting thing about that is, recovery is all about what you do when you make mistakes. And most organizations don't want to admit that they make mistakes in their strategy. <laughs> right. like even Even though recovery is a strategic concept, they don't want to admit it. And so they don't include it in their strategy, which for me is kind of like burying your head in the sand. I mean, if you knew something was going to drive loyalty, wouldn't you create a strategy around that, which we'll get into a bit more. So it's something that was extremely important for me in building our business to a billion. And yet, ironically, I don't see a whole lot of recovery strategies out there uh, in in the world today, and there needs to be, Ian. Mm -hmm.
0: Something beyond whoops, sorry.
1: Well, it it is absolutely. And one of the things we'll talk about is it begins with sorry, that's part of it. And most, most I shouldn't say most, a lot of organizations do not even admit that culpability, because they will say, well, if we do that, there's legal issues associated with that. And I'm saying, hey, you may not have been directly responsible, but you are the organization delivering value. You need to take responsibility and hold yourself accountable and fix it. Okay. And if you did it right, you'll be absolutely amazed with what happens in terms of how people feel about you.
0: So why is it so important to have a recovery strategy?
1: Well, as I mentioned, there's an incredibly powerful relationship uh, between what you do after you screw a customer over and and how loyal they are. And the formula that you mentioned in the intro is absolutely worth repeating because it's the essence of what goes on after you've you've had a service uh, mishap. The formula, fix the mistake fast. Now, in this case, studies have shown you only have 24 hours. Okay, like if it takes you a week and a half to fix the problem, forget the recovery piece. You're done. You're dead. It's over. You know, so it's all about speed. So fix it fast. The clock's ticking. You got less than 24 hours because studies have showed it. The loyalty piece just drops off like you wouldn't believe after 24 hours. And the second piece is surprise the victim with what they don't expect. This is kind of interesting, like right, like most most sort of doctrine deals with, you know, delivering to expectations, etc. This is not doing that. This is the surprise element that I, I keep talking about. You want to surprise them, fix it fast and surprise them with what they didn't imagine that you would do. Mm. And if you can get it to that, they will go, OMG, this is yeah. amazing. And, uh, and, and, and they feel much more excited about you and loyal towards you. As I mentioned before, um, in today it seems like the emphasis is on trying to get it right the first time as opposed to what happens when you don't get it right the first time. Okay, and w- whereas I, I, I get why we want to try and do it right the first time, it's really important to, to admit that sometimes you won't and there's an opportunity in there to turn pain and abuse into loyalty. Hmm. Okay, this whole idea that you can benefit from a screw over that you you caused, if you admitted it and did the right thing, and that's really the essence of uh, of recovery and why it's so damn important. I mean, I talk to a lot of people about their experiences with businesses. Yep, and it's typically. Wow, you would not believe what they did when they missed my appointment. Okay, when they missed my delivery. Okay, when they when they, I mean, so what they were doing is talking about the recovery. Right. And so unfortunately, that gets to be hit and miss if it's not inculcated into the culture of the business and the process of supplying services to uh, to customers. Right? Hmm.
0: So so how do you go about uh, building a, a recovery strategy? And uh, what would you say are the key elements of one?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to quickly go over seven parts of this, right? And it's kind of like amorphous, and it moves. And a lot of times, it needs to be customized to the organization. Okay, because I can't take a boilerplate and apply it everywhere. But I can give you some ideas that that actually were at play when I was dealt dealing with building a recovery strategy. And the first is process. So you need to, the leadership team needs to sit down and create a process. What does it look like? Okay. When we screwed a customer over, okay. Put it into a process map. It starts with, I'm sorry. It really does. Cause if you don't admit culpability, you can forget about anything else. I mean, I've had, I've had clients say to me after I apologize, Roy, it's okay. These things happen. Well, if it's that easy, why don't we do it? Instead, you run into people that says, well, it's not. it wasn't our problem. Ooh. Yes, it was. You're talking to me. It was your problem. And I don't wanna know about everything that goes on in your back end. Believe yeah. me, I really don't. So it starts out with creating a process. The second thing is, uh, we talked a little bit about this in another episode, it's, it's about empowering people to do the right thing, Ian. Right. Okay. People who are dealing with the customer complaint, they're gonna get insights in terms of what the solution is. So you need to figure out a way to empower them to do the right thing for the customer. With a, with a trust that they're not gonna throw the company right out with the bathwater, okay? They're just not gonna do that. Right. Third thing is, is this is critical is, you know, and and without it, successful recovery won't happen. The company hierarchy must be ignored. So if you have an organization, (laughs) the structure of that organization during recovery doesn't exist, except for the fact that the person that owns the problem is the CEO, because that's the only way it's going to work. The person that owns the screw up solution needs to be empowered to be the CEO for the moment to get it done. It may be 24 hours as a CEO of service screw-ups, but that's what it's going to be, right? And so the leader needs to promulgate that notion that it has to be part of the process that I mentioned first, that that the the organization is flattened. The only thing that's important is fast action and delivering astonishing recovery moments during that process. The fourth thing I want to talk about just very briefly is it look at recovery needs to be part of people's um, performance planning. They need to be held accountable, okay, for delivering whatever they have to to fix a customer screw up and surprise people with what they don't expect. Um, We've talked in other cases about this whole notion of customer secrets, you know, the desires, cravings, and so on and so forth. We need to deliver and create a repository of customer secrets, because it's those secrets that unlock the power of service recovery. If you knew what, uh, what a customer coveted, then when you screwed them over, if you ever did, then you have got information there that you can use to surprise them. In fact, I used to do this all the time. And uh, just go into the repository, get a see, ah, they like Cabernet, boom. Okay, whenever I screwed them over, guess what happened? Cabernet came out and they go, Oh, that was okay, Roy. Wow, that was pretty cool. I love the wine. It's just <laughs> amazing, amazing how that, that works. And the last thing is you need to implement surveys to find out how well you're doing. Okay, because mm. when you're in the middle of recovery, you always have to go back to the client and say, Okay, look at first again, I'm sorry this happened to you. I'm sorry that 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 you had this unfortunate experience but how did we do in recovering, All right, Scale of one to five, uh, good, fair, poor, uh, average, uh, and, and excellent, or something like that. Just keep it real simple and ask them. Right, That forms the basis of managing the performance of the organization around recovery. And yes, it is subjective, but that's what buying decisions are, okay? Right. They're based on how people feel. And so yeah. if, a, if a customer feels, like a supreme commander during the process, they're gonna rate you well, and guess what they'll do, Ian? They'll stay with you, and they'll talk to everybody else about how great you are, and they'll cite the service recovery example as a reason for that.
0: You know, it's really putting it into the DNA of the organization, but um, uh, uh, allowing that frontline worker to have all the tools and resources available to make a difference, especially when they screw up.
1: Well, you know, one of the things, one of the things that, that has to happen in an organization that, that is on, on the, the, the journey to recovering so, uh, like pristinely, is management needs to lose their ego. OK? Because as I mentioned, the hierarchy doesn't exist during the time that a recovery is taking place. And so to a large extent, that means that a lot of people who normally believe they have a lot of control have zero control. And (laughs) there's a lot of management people that don't like that because the frontline person, the owner of the problem, has the power. Okay. And so this is an issue of leadership to fundamentally describe what the culture is that we're trying to create here and to hold the management team responsible for being in the how can I help mode? which is leadership by serving around that we've talked about before yeah. and not in to do this because they don't know diddly squat about what the solution is. No, the People no. that own the problem should be empowered to do that and do it quickly. Hmm. And so the ego piece is huge.
0: Right. So, so there, is quite a, uh, there is quite a major role uh, for leaders in creating that culture that uh, fosters service recovery.
1: A- absolutely. and And, in fact, the leader must declare it's a number one priority to the organization. If they don't, if they continue to talk about only doing it right the first time, I'm not saying that they shouldn't talk about that because again, right. back to our conversation around core service, yep, yeah, you need to do it right the first time, okay? And you always need to be marching there. But understand this is an imperfect world. And, and, and there are events happening to us all the time that prevent us from doing it right the first time. Capture the strategic opportunities from screwing up, okay? Capture yeah. the opportunities. So leaders must pronounce, hey, we're not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes, but we are gonna milk every piece of opportunity out of that screw up that we can. Because we understand the power of recovery. So, leaders need to promulgate that. Um, it also needs to be part of the strategic plan. I mean, I want to see a strategic game plan that talks about recovery, right? And ass- assigns resources to it in terms of what does it look like? How are we going to measure it? And all the things that we talked about uh, earlier in, in this conversation. We need right. to stop pushing products. Okay. Pushing products and moving to experiences. This whole thing is about experiences. It's not about tangibility. Okay. In essence, I mean, the token of, of screwing up might be a tangible object, but, but, but the process that's being employed. Sure as hell isn't. It's all about feelings and emotion and caring and empathy and all kinds of stuff. And I mentioned, uh, leadership by serving around, um, you need to have that, that philosophy, Uh, in the organization um, to be listening and helping because service recovery is all about that. What do we need to do fast and how can we move beyond what the customer expects to delight them? And so leadership plays a huge part um, in, in that and, and building that culture, not tomorrow because it takes a while, but building it over time.
0: Hmm. Well, that's, I imagine it can be a challenge for some organizations, but the ones who do, the ones who plan for the inevitability really that they're gonna screw a customer over and are able to get it back on track. Uh, it, again, you can imagine what that will do for their reputation, not only amongst the uh, um, the uh, customer on the receiving end of the whoops, but also um, everybody they know.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you ask people, uh, about a, a, a customer service story, they will generally, okay, not always, but they will generally relate to exactly what we're talking about. Well, right. you wouldn't believe the time that my, my luggage was lost, and I had a baby, we got in Maui, my luggage was lost, I, I, had, I had no, you know, diapers, I didn't have the food, etc. And this airline basically told me to go out and get whatever I needed. And to send the invoice or the amount to this rep who paid the bill. I mean, that's the story. You know, it wasn't about, oh, shoot, we we're 15 minutes late leaving Vancouver. It wasn't about that. It was about what they did when they lost the luggage. Wow.
0: So so, so, that's one of your personal recovery stories. Is that right?
1: Well, it, you know, I've had a few of those, but the one that I was actually when I was president of of Advancecom, the one that I that I remember because I I was responsible for actually architecting it was was uh, a, a service breakdown that occurred in the Pan Pacific Hotel in downtown Vancouver. This was a right. client of mine, right? Yeah. So we cleverly put the service out for several hours. <laughs> I don't know how we did. Sorry, sorry. That was that was that
0: was, a, that was a that was a whoops. That, wasn't I, that by was an immaculate design.
1: Whoops. <laughs> well, the GM called me because I knew him personally.
0: Yeah.
1: And and to say the least, he was not. He was absolutely not happy with us. He threatened to sue us for the loss of business and and leave us for another telecoms provider. So so this was a big service recovery opportunity. So so just to give people a, a, an idea as to what what you can do with this sorts of thing. So the action we took was, first of all, I apologize. I apologize profusely. I had a check for several thousand dollars cut um, as a retribution for our sins and to help him offset the cost of, of lost business during that process without really knowing uh, how much it was. It wasn't about that anyways. It was about a token of atonement, okay, which is what you, what you have to do. Now, everybody thought this was a good idea. The legal team didn't think it was such a great idea because that was an explicit admission of guilt. It's, and I said, it's, I don't it's, care. It's it, that word. We were guilty. We, we, we effectively put him out of business. Don't know how we did it yet. We'll figure that out. But we need to atone for our sins. So my reasoning was that if we were guilty of doing this, what we've basically doing, been doing is making an investment in a client that was giving us several hundred thousand dollars in in business a year and wasn't that a good investment right so Mm. that's how I rationalize it anyways so with check in hand I was ready to go and visit the client there was one piece that was left so I calls my sales vice president and and I said what is what can we surprise this GM with what 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 do they want? What do they covet? What do they want? Anyway, so what we discovered from his his executive assistant was that he he really wanted one of those candlestick phones. Now, oh. you guys remember <laughs> this old candlestick phones, right? They look yeah. cool as hell, but they were really old technology. and they were they were coveted not because of their technology. Anyways, he wanted one. So here's what we did. Okay, with check in one hand, the candlestick phone in the other hand, we marched off. To the Pan Pacific Hotel in Vancouver, me or my sales vice president and my and myself goes in to his office, and I can still see the expression on his face. I mean, he's ready to do battle with Roy, right? So once again, once again, I say, I'm so sorry, but look it. Uh, before we get into the details, let me just express my sorrow. Here's a check for X thousand dollars, and here's something that I think. You've been looking for, for a long time. I still get goosebumps when I think about the moment was astonishing. He looks at this, he opens a thing. He sees his candlestick phone. He looks at the check and he goes, that's okay, boy. I mean, these things happen. (laughs) These things happen. He didn't (laughs) expect it, (laughs) blew him away. The result, he forgot about the screw up. He became what I will call a raving fan forever. Right. Who constantly talked about the event and with everybody he could. And, and we just got a ton of referrals saying, Hey, I hear what you did. Well done, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, I had I had, a, a, a article writers calling me saying, I heard about this from, from the Pan Pacific. We'd be interested in learning a bit more detail. And so it wouldn't have happened had we not had that service strategy that I mentioned to you before, where if we fail, Recovery will be our number one priority. That gave us permission to do what we had to do, and it was—I uh, have to admit—it um, was one of the best stories, customer stories, I think I've ever had.
0: Hmm. Well, Roy, thank you for that, and uh, you know what—a what a what a fitting podcast on uh, World Consumer Rights Day. And you know, <laughs> if if, the, if if you don't deliver to the consumer exactly what they're expecting and you screw up well you know then uh you really have to do things right as it were just to make a quick analogy between the day and our subject today so well folks that's a wrap we hope you enjoyed it we'll be back again soon with another how to be different tip as part of our audacious learning ways podcast series have a great business day goodbye roy
1: goodbye ian